So you see, it is very interesting that Shurimdo starts with dawn. And Usha is the goddess, the Rishi is first invoked. There are so many hymns to Usha in the Vedas. So she is... Uh, and when you look at uh, who is Usha, so on one way, one side you can say, oh, it is they were worshipping the morning sun because they were living in the Arctic. That is one of the theories. Because they were living in the Arctic areas. So when first... There was a first break of light, Usha. They celebrated. <coughs> Shurabindo reverses the whole thing. He says, the Rishis saw in physical images symbols of inner happenings. You see, it is the other way around. We feel the outer is real and... Um, we give symbolic meanings, which are subjective things. So there are hardcore scientists will say, oh, symbolic meaning is all your own. It is, it is no concrete reality. But Sri says that it is a symbol which precipitates into the real. So if you look at the way creation proceeds from the, uh, the Vedantic point of view or the uh, <coughs> Indian thought point of view, the yogi is the seers of the Vedas. It's from <coughs> above downwards. So, uh, it's not like there was material creation, then life came up, and then uh, suddenly mind came up. It's something went inside it. And from there, how it, how it starts it, there is it, as the consciousness uh, takes the form of an idea, presses, presses, then there is a, <coughs> there is a world where it takes symbolic forms. And these symbols then crystallize. So its example is like, and actually all creation is like that. So when you write a book, so how it starts, there is an urge to create. Then you have uh, an idea, a vague idea. You, you can give it a word, okay, I'll write a story of love or a story of, you know, battle and victory. You can pick up that idea. And then slowly, you have a broad theme. And then slowly you have characters developing there. Then you go into the details. So that is how the symbol changes into a reality. So we will continue with uh, where we left. <coughs> So light has come, but imagine if you see from the point of view of light, everybody is asleep. <laughs> Look at the beauty of this image. Amid the night's forlorn indifference, okay, as if solicited in an alien world, with timid and hazardous instinctive grace. Now, just see this one line. Timid, shy, hazardous. These two very, very contrasting uh, yes, he is bringing together and this Shurabindu does several places as a master poet. So, timid and at the same time hazardous. Why hazardous? 
Because right now she is she is coming as a shy bride. You know when bride comes home, she is very shy. Amma ji, ye kahan hai? Amma ji, wo kahan hai? Everybody, ah, what a lovely bride, and she is lovely. But she has come with an agenda. I will change this fellow. <laughs> Everybody, he is she. She listens. Has had us. After some time, they all realize that is he is changing my boy. He is my child. Then mother starts. You know, this is the story. See, symbol. The advantage of symbol is it applies in at every level. So timid and hazardous, and I am saying this in a good sense that she should change. Yes, yes. So she's come to shift everybody out of their comfort zones. But how she come? She walks shyly like a bride. So this is what happens in our inner life also. When it starts, it's like a little bud, but slowly it begins to affect every area of our life. and you know people relationships every day life starts getting affected and uh, we may not realize it when it awakens and slowly it shifts everything in our life goes topsy turvy so see how he is combining it but at the same time with instinctive grace it is inbuilt within it orphaned and driven out to seek a home she is come Come away from her home, home of truth, home of light, and she has come to a place <coughs> which is not her original home. So, what is her work to create her home here? So, she has to knock at doors. Who will welcome? Who will welcome? An errant marvel with no place to live. Into a far-off nook of heaven, there came a slow, <coughs> a slow, miraculous gesture's dim appeal. The persistent thrill of a transfiguring touch persuaded the inert black quietude, and beauty and wonder disturbed the fields of God. She comes. There is no place to live. Nobody is there to welcome her. Errant marvel, like an alien. It's a marvel. Nobody recognizes. That's how the light comes. Divine presence in human life comes like that. And it has no place to live. But what it is doing? It is waking up. Come, come, wake up. And suddenly, what happens? At a touch, just the touch of this light, suddenly beauty and wonder invade the fields of God. So, earth is filled with a green. The new dress is soon for earth, green and blue. If you really look at just the earth's evolution in pictorially, fast forward, you will see it's very interesting. You will see completely like a you know brownish something, and then suddenly you know different colors, different colors, and more and more colors, as if a garment is being woven for earth. and then the seasons it's so beautiful this image so because of the touch of usha everything is filled with beauty and wonder and it's not just color it fills this world a wandering hand of pale 
enchanted light that glowed along a fading moment's brink. Now again see this line. Fading moment's brink. How do you capture that little, can't even use the word millisecond. You know, we don't realize that actually in some of the occult yoga sutras, there is a great importance given to these moments when there is a transition. It's, it's a moment when you can actually uh, take a leap. You can get through the door. So that's, this is what is developed in the science of Kumbhak. So when, when you breathe in and you breathe out. Now very instinctively we are doing all the time, no? but there is a moment. There is a gap, little gap. Isn't it? it? It's not like going on. Very milli minute moment. And it's a very special moment. In the brain, if you observe the brain, all these chemicals are going on. There is a little, little gap, a moment. What happens in that moment? This is a mystery to the scientist, by the way. That's the moment through which consciousness keeps seeping in. That's how this machine works. So that's why people say don't be in a hyper mode because you start closing those entry points and real sense of quieting down is this that you allow the influx of this greater consciousness higher consciousness the force of life through those moments these are the important so shurvido makes it uh, takes it to what level on a fading moments brink now Night, now day, and imagine that point when it is just, you can't say going to transit, you can't say transited. It is, it is that little moment. <clears throat> Fixed with gold panel and opalescent hinge, a gate of dreams. A jar on mystery's verge. So now we see that suddenly, as if somebody has drawn the curtains, gold panel and opalescent hinge. And suddenly a world opens, a gate of dreams, a jar on mystery's words. <clears throat> so when we see the sky, we see like that. When now the dawn has actually started. <clears throat> One lucent corner windowing hidden things forced the world's blind immensity to sight. This is very interesting. Everywhere there are many profound truths you have mentioned. So normally we think that we see, eyes see. But eyes are motivated to see because of the touch of consciousness. It is light that creates sight. Even biologically it is true. Because there is light, there is adaptation and evolution to see. If, if there was uh, no light, there will be no stimulation of these organs. So actually, even biologically it is true. Again you see the symbol works everywhere. If you just read a biology correctly, in the correct way, so we will enter ultimately into the same Vedic truths because it is the same symbol. So, because there is light, the retina begins to adapt or retina develops. It's a whole um, chapter on how the retina evolves. 
and eventually it begins to first sense light. The first form is only light and darkness you sense. And then slowly, higher and higher forms, then color recognition. Now, if this is true, imagine one day sight will develop to a point where we will see wonderful realities which are not visible now. That's exactly what is supramental sight. <laughs> because it's evolving. So, because there is light of a new consciousness now which has pervaded. So, there will be a strain within the human consciousness to reach out to it. And slowly, its pressure is creating this aspiration and it will modify it. So, we don't have to do any unusual methods. It will be done, but we have to just try to reach out. And this trying to reach out is also because of the presence of this light. The darkness, yes, now come those wonderful lines. The darkness failed and slipped like a falling cloak from the reclining body of a god. And then it's like sudden. The last moment. So very often, mother was asked that, uh, isn't realization a sudden thing? She says, yes, that moment is the sudden thing. But behind it is, lot of effort has gone in. It's like when the screen opens and a movie is shown. It's not a sudden event. Much has happened, like the chick inside the egg, baby in the womb. So last event is a sudden event. But there are aspiration, aspiration mounting. She uses that word. Every time you aspire, it's mounting up. It's like piling up of the fire. And one day this fire breaks through something and there is a wonderful realization. Reclining body of a God. Just imagine that. Who is this God? <laughs> Actually, yeah, is this... Become this, all this material nature, he was he is sleeping there. Imagine, covered in a cloak of darkness. Now look at this, uh, he was hiding inside a blanket and the divine from there comes to wake up the divine here and then suddenly that cloak slips. So he is waking up now. Then through the pallid rift that seemed at first Hardly enough for a trickle from the suns out poured the revelation and the flame. Now the light has begun to pour. The brief perpetual sign record above, a glamour from unreached transcendences, iridescent with the glory of the unseen, a message from the unknown immortal light, a blaze upon creation's quivering edge. Dawn built her aura of golden hues and buried its seed of grandeur in the hours. So dawn comes, now it is, light has come and it has begun to outpour and what the sun is doing is putting its seeds of grandeur now, what these seeds are, that he will reveal to us later. So, let a little bit of mystery remain. And actually, if you see, on earth, at least, the symbol is very clear. So, we have the seasons. All the seasons. Actually, the master is sun. 
master is son. <laughs> because of that, you have the heat, everything, wind and ultimately you have the rains and you have the winter, you have spring. So that's why the famous uh, Vedic hymn, Kasme Devai Havisha Videham, which God do we offer. So they speak of Agni, they speak of Vayu, and all the gods. So this is the God, Sun God, the supramental Godhead. It is He who is the first one. All the rest come later on. This is Shurabindo's Veda. And which is of course so true in everyday life. An instant visitor the Godhead shone. On life's thin border, a while the vision stood and bent over earth's pondering forehead curve. So, goddess dawn has arrived. Now, again, though there is a physical symbol, but simultaneously at parallel runs the story of the inner awakening, of creation and something still greater which will come after another couple of uh, pages. So she is coming and bending over earth's forehead. Look at this. Wake up my child. First we had the touch. So now she is bending over earth's forehead. Interpreting a recondite Beauty and bliss in colors, hieroglyphs of mystic sense, it wrote the lines of a significant myth, telling of a greatness of spiritual dawns, a brilliant coat penned with the sky for page. Then what starts? Multiple colors in the sky. Sky is filled with different shades, hues. And artists will say with minuteness, this is Probably, you know, this first touch, the different shades of red and blue coming up, you know, as the dawn is emerging. So she is filling, she is writing a myth, a story. And this is story of, now here he is connecting us with the story of creation. This is not the first effort. Several times this has been tried, attempted. In our everyday life also we wake up. Then what happens after a while, after the drought is over? Oh, I have to start... Again from where I left yesterday. So again renewed effort. So this is the uh, process through which the dawn is awakening us. A brilliant code penned with the sky for page. Almost that day the epiphany was disclosed of which our thoughts and hopes are signal flares. A lonely splendor from the invisible goal almost was flung on the opaque inane. So this is our goal, ultimately, the supramental Godhead, the sun for which creation has come. And every day it reveals to us. What is the myth that it reveals? If you see through all the myths, one common theme is darkness will end and light will arrive. (laughs) It's as simple as that. Whatever you want to uh, put it. Now, good and bad is a rather very humanized word. It's not about good and bad. 
Because good and bad becomes like something is permanently bad and something is... It's a very rigid term. But light and darkness are not rigid. Light invades and darkness changes into light. So there is a big difference between the two. So what is ultimately Kansa when he dies? What he discovers? I am the Bhakta of Krishna. Ravana when he dies, what does he discover? He is my Lord. So this is ultimately the story of changing of darkness, transforming of darkness by the light. So this is the story. Savitri is also about not just destroying darkness or death. It is about transforming death. And Shurabindu in Savitri has taken death as the root asura. Mother speaks about it. He says, it is falsehood, but he has used this image. And there is a reason why Shurabindu has used the image. Because though the root asura is falsehood, but when you use the image of death, it is something with which human consciousness can connect. And all four of them are in a way interconnected. But she says the last one at the very root is falsehood. <coughs> which he <coughs> says in God's labor. I saw that a falsehood was planted deep in the very core of things. Falsehood. Falsehood is the core from which death and all this are I mean like three brothers. (laughs) But who is the eldest, the mightiest of all these is falsehood. But here, Shurabindra has used the word death because supposing all through Savitri wrote then falsehood, there was a dialogue. We just won't be able to connect at all. But death, yeah. But death is something which which we can easily relate and connect. That that is a common experience. And falsehood has appeared to Uh, human consciousness and upon earth in the form of death. Death is the biggest messenger. It is because of death that human beings are convinced that what divine and all is unreal and matter is real. That is how they experience life. So, the importance of death. So, here he is saying that lonely splendor our hopes and thoughts are aspiring towards that supramental Godhead almost was flung on the opaque inane. So this opaque inane is the (coughs) creation submerged in darkness and suddenly this coming of this splendor changes everything. Once more a tread perturbed the vacant wasps. So here again we will see very interesting use of terms. Perturbed. Very negative terms. But Shirobindra has used it in a positive way. When God comes, he disturbs. So people have this crazy idea that God comes because they, you know, this is the way people understand the Gita unfortunately. That he comes to stabilize he stabilizes, but not to the same level. Otherwise, what is the point of God coming and stabilizing back again and again? He stabilizes by taking it to a higher level. And that's why the destruction is needed. If you don't destroy, it will not be ready for something greater. So this stabilization is at a next higher level. So that is how dharma evolves. So here he is saying, once more, a tread perturbed the vacant vase. So there is a initial 
now creation initially reacts with a disturbance now it doesn't want it it doesn't like it so in human consciousness it takes the form of various resistances in human beings it'll take the form of doubt denial despair depression all this will come because it doesn't want to change desires all the d's but all these will eventually change into the biggest d divine <laughs> since we are playing with d <laughs> okay so this is how that's how it is perturbed infinity center see several places there is a description of the divine mother this is the first place he is revealing to us divine mother as usha illumination the goddess of illumination infinity's center a face of rapturous calm so normally calm and rapture though they are both positive things but they don't blend easily you are either calm or you are rapturous <laughs> so when shirbinda was asked he says peace is a sign of the divine presence in a static form ananda is the sign of divine in his creative mode so they are actually together but separated in the human consciousness so this is a face of rapturous calm which is come to create parted the eternal lids that open heaven so eternal lids are those you know which uh, fall upon creation because of which we live under a shadow of death that is the martyloke uh, now when the lids open the supramental light he is revealing everything in uh, first canto only <laughs> one day the supramental gates will open the eternal lids and what will happen the word eternal lids will come later on also when ashwapati has to go beyond so these the, through this image he is describing it so then what happened the eternal lids open which behind which there is the highest heavens and here is the human world and the lower triple world a form and who has opened it's not opening from this side a form from far beatitude seem to near it is the divine mother now imagine creation is sleeping in darkness and the divine mother from the other side she opens the door and light begins to pour upon earth so when she opens the door and stands on the threshold as usha the first illumination that is how shivindu is describing to us <clears throat> a form from far beatitudes seem to near and who is she ambassadoress twixt eternity and change eternity yes and change so what is eternity all that is imperishable the yet unmanifest the transcendent and what is this this is the world of change now you see normally a kind of thought that this world is ever changing 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 so leave it there is the eternal truth but 
this change is happening because precisely because there is the eternal standing behind it so from the unmanifest transcendent things are pouring into the cosmic consciousness and in this cosmic consciousness it goes to various fields and there is a change happening so who does it it is the divine shakti the divine mother so what is going to happen something new which has never happened before once again is going to happen so it sees come to be the ambassadors between the eternity and change without her presence there is no way that this earth would change into a beautiful home of heaven so she is coming and she is coming with the mandate for the change that's what shurbind the yeah yes ha huh, that's that because it will come on next page exactly so usha is a symbol of many things but usha is the symbol of savitri so just as divine mother comes and big, you know she brings the change and also without her grace there can be no change no human effort or tapasya shurbindo has said in um, the mother can rend the veil so here he is talking of the veil being rent who is doing it the divine mother from that side she is going to pour in and he says no human effort of tapasya can bring the change now this is so important and significant you won't believe i i mean initially i used to be surprised but now i am no more so many people i have met who seem to be on the path but somehow the divine mother is kept in the background and so it is yeah this i'm saying divine mother is like okay universal mother like that but she is the ambassador there can be no change without her and shubhendra himself has said so you see uh, it's very interesting that we are reading about the divine mother today because uh, today is uh, you know this year is the year of the coming of the divine mother second coming final coming 100 years centenary so it's so interesting very we have chosen a very coming and so this is coming <laughs> final coming 100 years of final coming so it's a special year no especially here because divine mothers final coming and very intuitively we have chosen this as if with our hearts we are welcoming mother come <laughs> she is the one who will bring the change yes hmm yeah no that is the cycle cycles of time in 1920 24th april she came finally no she came in 1914 but went away final and mother gave a special significance to her final coming she didn't give a special universal significance to her coming on in 1914 that was something personal but 1920 is the one which she gave a significance it was the decisive sign of conquest over the adverse forces so we are celebrating centenary now centenary means the cycle of time so similar things come up yeah at cosmic levels but 100 is a very decisive you know because you are crossing a mark 50 is still ongoing 
but 100 is something now you are entering into a new count yeah that way 100 becomes a important thing even the vedic rishis will speak about 100 so 100 is that significant word it's like one cycle is complete and now a new cycle of her working will start and so very intuitively we are re- reading about her coming <laughs> so this something else which has happened on 6 january which i'll find out and tell you some in- interesting important event in the life of shurbindo so again we are we are yeah 6 january ah nirvana experience 6 5th 6th 7th january is the time when shurbindo uh, meditated in baroda do he speaks of the three days no so what were those three days 5th 6th 7th january lele so you see it's so nice all of this is intuitively chosen 6 january chosen 5th but it's okay 6 january just in the middle and what we are reading welcoming the divine mother all yeah but that we realize later on <laughs> exactly yes we become instrument we think we are choosing a topic we are choosing a date but divine's play he has already chosen and see these small things where you feel the touch and there are countless things like that which we don't notice because we don't know okay so it's so nice that we two events uh, are coming together in, in our own way we are having the joy of these things so ambassadoress twixt eternity and change the omniscient goddess leaned across the breadths that wrap the fated journeyings of the stars look at now this image and saw the spaces ready for her feet imagine she has to come now from that supramental spaces so but in the world of ignorance who guides the stars all the great seers and sages they guide they are the stars but look at the physical image now light has to come all through so it sees whether the stars are ready are they aligned in the correct position it's time it's my time now whole night it was your time <laughs> now it's my time give way and you see when the light comes sun comes where are the stars they are all there but before that splendor and if you combine together hundreds and thousands and millions of stars at night they will not be able to put together the light of the sun that we experience today so this is what so stars have to align divine mother is coming divine mother is coming and saw the space is ready for her feet her feet that vastness that wideness see the image evokes mother is coming through the stars stepping on them once she half looked behind for her veiled son she has come now so she once looks back it's her home supramental godhead the omniscient omnipotent goddess is coming so see once she looks back it's like a final adieu i am going to now go and do this work it also shows that when the divine comes upon earth 
she half wails this is also described in the mother that do not try to judge the mother based on your mind she half she reveals and half she wails because she has to enter into the den of the asura and change you see people our ignorant way of saying oh why doesn't she come and suddenly change everybody they won't change they'll finish <laughs> unbearable ah and <laughs> so she comes wailing herself and this wailing is very genuine because otherwise nobody human consciousness won't even come close and touch so she wails almost becomes dark mother kali gauri becomes kali and adopts all the things of the asuric nature if you look at goddess kali some people don't understand this conception of divine mother she is the divine mother but destroying relentlessly the difference is that she destroys with full knowledge full consciousness and with the heart of love that is always there so this is how she looks back towards the sun then thoughtful went to her immortal work this the task she has undertaken and it is bound to be it is it does not depend on us my feeling my thinking my hope <laughs> it has no value there it is decided somewhere else so earth <coughs> earth felt the imperishables passage close the waking ear of nature heard her steps and wideness turned to her its limitless eye and scattered on sealed depths her luminous smile <coughs> kindled to fire the silence of the world so now that is behind now there is the welcome face so who welcomes sir first the spaces nature in its simplicity so suddenly they are welcoming come mother come mother come mother and then this wonderful line what she is doing see it's like a king going for the for their uh, for the ordained task or the queen going for the so she has to go there because that is the important task but there are now suddenly people standing on the way so what does she do she says this and smiles and people are so happy thrilled oh i saw the queen smile now here it's not queen but the divine mother herself so scattered her smile she is smiling and everything is happy joyous her luminous smile and wideness turned to her its limitless eye and scattered on sealed depths her luminous smile kindled to fire the silence of the worlds so this is how aspiration is born see from there is a long passage where it there is still a journey going on in the night so in our life also a long passage that there is a journey going on in the night 
slowly, slowly, yearning, restlessness, seeking, some touch here, little glow there, some interest, little bit, let us read, <laughs> indirect touches, some little glimpse, ah, nice colors, but the time comes and finally, she touches our heart. That's when aspiration wakes up. So that's why people say in this yoga, who is the guru? There can be no guru actually. Because nobody can light up this fire of aspiration. <laughs> this fire of aspiration only her touch can do. And she has to do it. And she will do it. Everybody will have their own time when it is ready and the aspiration. But here, this aspiration is lit in material nature. And how she responds. See, from there the journey starts. All grew a consecration and a right. So everything then becomes a yagna. So we have heard about yagna in um, you know the Vedas of course and the Gita and there is so much commentary on it. Now look at Shurabindo. In Savitri, he gives us uh, he gives a very unique sense of yagna and he is doing it in with the images of material nature. It changes the way we can we can look at it. So every day a yagna is going on. <coughs> All grew a consecration and a right. Air was a vibrant link between earth and heaven. So in yagna all the gods come. If you read the tradition of ancient yagnas, Vayu will come, the Maruts will come, uh, uh, Indra will come and uh, all the gods and they will take their own portion of uh, uh, whatever yagya prasad is there. Havi, uh, Havi. So here all of them have come. Air was a vibrant link between earth and heaven. The wide-winged hymn of a great priestly wind arose and failed upon the altar hills. So where is this yagna going on? All the gods must be wondering. Divine Mother has come and yagna has started on earth. You see, if you have to write like a Puranic story, dharti par ek yagya hone laga. <laughs> now you think immediately yagya, somebody must have built some layer. But this yagna, such a vast sense he has given. Altar hills. Hills are the altar. Because they are the tops of material nature. They will be touched first. See when it comes. Uh, the light. Uh, which part of material nature it touches first? The peaks of the mountains. In us also. It touches that part. Which is our best. The worst we have still to see. <laughs> Some people feel very thrilled. That time, because of the touch of the light, that part is lit up like Kanchanjanga or Mount Everest. So beautiful, you know, first sight. Later on, it will descend lower down, but that is the first glow. It touches. So what is happening? Now, the material nature image is also there. It is lit up. And who is the priest who is going to do the mantra? The winds, the airs. They are chanting as they move through. Actually, if you really uh, hear the winds moving through the mountain passes. So, material, yeah. It, must, it is actually like a, something very myst, myst, mystical and ethereal about it. You can't put it in any category, but it's something amazing. It, as it goes through the mountain 
passes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is coming here. All of that is coming. So all there. So simultaneously we see that all the images. Though he'll describe everything at great length subsequently. There is a whole passage on the five elements only. So everywhere, simultaneously, the sequence, the high bows, prayed in a revealing sky. Then it touches still lower on the where there are uh, trees. So we look at trees as trees, but he is saying there is in the trees an aspiration trying to reach out to the sun. So somebody is to pray. There is a yagna going on. So the trees are praying. <laughs> so <laughs> with lifted hands. Here, where our half-lit ignorance skirts the gulfs, on the dumb bosom of the ambiguous earth. Here, where one knows not even the step in front. And truth has her thrown on the shadowy back of doubt, on this anguished and precarious field of toil, outspread beneath some large indifferent gaze. So now he is bringing us that light is coming down. It has to touch now this common soil. But how first he is preparing us to understand. Now here, all that is very nice on the tops. But what about this? So he is describing where we are standing, ground zero, here where our half-lit ignorance skirts the gulfs. On the dumb bosom of the ambiguous earth, why it is ambiguous? You don't know, you know, there is beauty in it, there is danger in it, there is charm in it, there is risk in it, you know, there is life upon it, there is death on it. Yeah, so it's ambiguous, you don't know whether it is good or it's really not good, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. So, ambiguous earth. So, nothing is for sure here. Everything is ever in doubt. Here, where one knows not even the step in front, and truth has her throne on the shadowy back of doubt, on this anguished and precarious field of toil, outspread beneath some large indifferent gaze. You see, uh, when we are in a state of, uh, you know, uh, the crudest possible awakening, it's not not an awakening as we see, still in the darkness. So if you talk about God, He says, I don't know whether God cares for us or not. Indifferent, sunta bhi hai prarthana ki nahi. This is the impression that you know many human beings and they live with like that. Oh, He's a cruel monster because they, you know, that's how we we are not aware of. Instead of trying to say that if there is God. Let's try to understand his ways. It's the most logical thing to do. But we, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but normally it, it goes the other way around. If there is God, he must behave like me and the way I want it. Otherwise I don't believe in him. Which is the most absurd logic. But it appears very logical to the mind which is not yet open to the light. This is uh, indifferent. Look what he's doing. He is watching all of us like this. Pain, suffering, everything. So, sometimes when people say, I ask them this question. So, when you were experiencing joy, 
Did you ever thank him? He's God only for blaming and cursing. All the evil and suffering is because of him. All the happiness is because of you. So, there is a plan and we have to understand it's a slow emergence from darkness to light. He wants everything to be happy and glad. He does not want, uh, you know, pain and suffering. But it is a process, all that he will describe later. It can't be suddenly, it's a process, that's what he is describing. And truth has her thrown on the shadowy back of doubt. On this anguished and precarious field of toil, outspread beneath some large indifferent gaze, impartial witness of our joy and bale. Our prostrate soil bore the awakening ray. <laughs> she comes and touches us. See, this is her grace. There is an aspect of the divine as the sarvasakshi that is required. Otherwise, there will be chaos. So there is an, like the eye of God, Vishnu extended in heaven, wide eye, as the Vedas put it. So there is a state of God where Surya Yatha Sarva Lokasya Chakshu. So it, it is like the witness self. But that will not give us the mystery of creation nor the way to solve it. So something emerges out of that, the Divine Mother, the Divine Shakti, and that has gone into creation. Pragya Prashyata Purana. It is that which is the hope. So here he is saying that she has come here and our Prostrate soil bore the awakening ray. So just imagine soil is prostrate. <laughs> Anyways, so there is an interesting meaning of the word prostrate. Normally, we human beings think only humanly, no? Prostrate, dandavat. Prostrate, helpless situation in which it is lying. <laughs> State of utter helplessness. Probably calling inside, Mother, come, come, come. Prostrate soil bore the awakening ray. She comes and awakens. And what happens as a result? Here too the vision and prophetic gleam lit into miracles, common, meaningless shapes. So now, things which in the darkness we couldn't see properly, suddenly we see that even in material nature, Oh, there is so much beauty, such lovely things around, lit into miracles. The little stone which we had not noticed suddenly is lit up into a beautiful form. We see it because, you know, we had never noticed it. So that is how. And of course, it applies at every level. So if somebody ever has pride, I think again, logically, it is the most foolish thing. No, because modern generation likes logic. <laughs> Logically, oh, I, my intelligence. So, uh, I asked them. Actually, I went through this self-analysis at 15. So, I thought, Ki, there is nothing I can call mine. <laughs> intelligence is a gift of nature. <laughs> Body is a gift of parents, heredity. All other things are created by something beyond me. Where is me? <laughs> there is nothing which I can call mine. So, if you really look at logically, so there is nothing which is yours. It is touch of, if you are an atheist kind of person, you will say nature. 
but at least it is humbling that it's not you who can claim that I am an intelligent man. It's nature, assemblage. <laughs> That's it. We are all assembled pieces. Where all parts have come, now final car is Tesla product. But, <laughs> but if the car say takes pride, oh, you know I am Tesla, I'll say your maker has made it, your maker can unmake you or bring something much better than you. So you see, this, this is how now here he is revealing to us is still further truth. Her touch can change dust particles into grain of gold. So this is the story. You see, these, uh, I, uh, these thoughts, touches are there in so many uh, stories in Indian mythology, um, which I, you know, love them. Like, you know, when uh, Lord Rama touches Ahilya, she changes into a celestial being. So people ask, how can it happen? I said, don't be so dumb-headed that you want to physically know how stone changes into a woman. At least have some creative, poetic imagination. <laughs> what is being revealed here is that even a stone, Jadwat, she is not a physical stone. She has become Jadwat, meaning thereby like, you know, inert, mechanical. She continued to do her task, but she had lost complete interest, everything. So just existing. And suddenly by the touch of grace, she changes into a celestial being. So look at the marvel, you know, lit into marvel. Common meaningless shapes. Otherwise, what would be meaningless? Now starts a new passage. Then the divine afflatus spent withdrew, unwanted, fading from the mortal's range. That is the only tragedy of life. See, we we have this Durga Puja, no? So you have mother is coming, same thing. So mother comes, mother comes, five days. Then you say, mother, go, 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 go. That's why Shubhindo said in Durga's throat, he said that, you know, that mother come, this time we will, ab hum tumhara visarjan nahi karenge, we will not send you away. We will tie you with the string of faith and devotion. Because her demand is, see, during those five days, people become suddenly vegetarians. They will do all the good things. But can they sustain it? No, so they find it more convenient rather than I change. Better, you know. <laughs> Five days is good. I don't want to change. If she is there, I can't do the things that I was doing. <laughs> no, regular life. Some people do follow that, that they install. And it's, it's a sadhana in its own right. You can't just keep uh, Durga or Kali image like that and just continue our life just as it is. Then there will be a pressure for change. So the same thing that it is unwanted. It is lit up. Now people are happy. Okay. So unwanted she withdraws. So people often ask why did mother and Shurabindo left their body, leave their body. They could have done a miracle and transformed themselves. So mother gave a very wonderful reason. Lack of receptivity of earth and men. 
People didn't want, they wanted them only as miracle doers. मेरा बच्चा का एडमिशन करा दो मेरा ये करा दो वो करा दो ट्रांसफॉर्मेशन इज इट्स ए बिग वर्ड सो अनवांटेड बट इट डजेंट डाई इट फेड्स फ्रॉम द ह्यूमन रेंज समवेयर यू नो इट इज देयर इज सीक्रेट बट समथिंग इट लीव स्टिल इज सीक्रेट यर्निंग लिंगर्ड इन इट्स ट्रेस द वर्शिप ऑफ ए प्रेजेंस एंड ए पावर too perfect to be held by death bound hearts the prescience of a marvelous birth to come see shri krishna is having a ras leela and suddenly midnight he vanishes see very beautiful powerful image so why does he have to vanish it's a wonderful thing life should be like that who is ready Amongst them, even the gop and gopis who were very special beings, they grew jealous of each other. They wanted to draw Krishna only through the vital. If you read actually in the Bhagavat, the image is so vital. At you know that Ras Lila and before that, it's in the culmination. It's wonderful. But otherwise, there is so much of vital image because human beings, where is Krishna? If they saw Krishna as he reveals. the only one whom shri krishna revealed something of himself is arjuna his chosen narnarayana otherwise nobody could see him as he is they were they all loved him but he is so vast so perfect so they wanted so eventually he withdraws but what he left on earth bhakti so that's what shri shri arbindo says that you know there four great events in the history of mankind so among them with shri krishna he links two one is siege of troy and the second is crucifixion and the third is shri krishna's exile from vrindavan and the fourth is the divine colloquy on the battlefield of kurukshetra so christ from his cross humanized europe the siege of troy so that created hela hela this you know the cult of beauty if you see the greeks except for troy troy was a developed empire but all around were warring tribes so nature brought down the and trojans were really mighty and wise and you know but they had to be brought down so that the entire greece can come up together then what about krishna's exile it created bhakti you see really if you read the letters of shirobindo and the mother to disciples with all due respect and humility they are elder brothers and everything but very few you will find having a heart endowed with bhakti read through you will see you can count them on fingers there were but you can count them on fingers and even they would have doubts people doubted about mother's divinity went away if you read through the letters that's why the letter shorbindo is giving such love look at dilip kumar roy can you imagine harinath chatopadhyay many great ones most some 
continued to remain, many remain, but that bhakti element was missing. Shurabindu himself has said that the bhakti element was missing. But see the moment mother and Shurabindu have withdrawn in the background, you will go to uh, not just Udisa, places where people love her like anything. And this is what mother said. Mother said in the coming years, people will have so much love, you don't even know when she spoke to Huta. She said, the coming generations will love me much more than what you people can imagine. And I see this practically, physically traveling to places. The way they love her, I, I mean, it's, it's humbling. What kind of love? So, once I asked people here, they said, yes, because she took a human form, so most of the people were just on the outer. But very few, she kept reminding that I am here, I am here. Well, who will want to find here when you are right there? And now we have to discover. But our advantage of this generation who has not seen her physically. Advantage is that we hold her from the heart and not with the eyes of ignorance. And hence we feel that love. So it is the action. So divine withdrawal is also an action. So when Sri Krishna goes away, there is streams of bhakti. No more that, oh, I want him, I want him, I want him. After that is born the self-giving, which Radha symbolizes. So you see, that is the, uh, that's why the divine cannot stay, because there has to be receptivity on earth and men. So, Shubhindra didn't come here to show an impossible miracle, or a possible miracle for the divine, everything is possible. Look here, I have a transformed body, now you people will worship me. No, they want us to ascend. If they had a transformed body, we would still expect the same things. Oh, now they are immortal, supramentalized being. So please give me this, give me that. You also become a supramentalized being? No, 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 that is too much labor, it's enough. So they have to open this heart. So even this was a sacrifice to open the heart. The Gita, so the, the, no, the Gita he says, very powerful. The Gita he says, and the divine colloquy will continue to liberate mankind. It's not, its action is not yet over. Yet liberate mankind. So, yes, and not just it did that. It will continue, yet continue to liberate mankind. So it liberated mankind. Liberated mankind from what? You know, from all the narrowness, from many things. It, it taught Sri Krishna came to give freedom and delight. This is what Mother says, that Sri Krishna came to give freedom and delight. How to live with freedom and with delight? But how you can live with freedom? Only when you are under the complete submission to divine will. There is no other freedom possible. So what does Sri Krishna ultimately teach in the Gita? Master your desire, conquer your senses, master your thoughts. This is what he is teaching. At the end he says, Sarva dharman parityajya mamekam shannam If you see the summary of the Gita, processes are there, nishkam, karma, remember and offer. They are processes. But what is the core? Core is this, that I am the Godhead. 
And what you have to do is master the thoughts, you know, Sankhi, that uh, yoga of the intelligent will. Master your unit, then turn your heart towards the divine. Turn your passions, your energies towards the divine, towards the master of work. And at the end, give yourself completely. This is what he came to ta- teach. So when you do this, what do you have? Aham tva sarva papibhyo mokshishyami masucha. So Gita's gospel of freedom is this. That when you have completely given yourself to God, you are free. But this giving is a true giving. Not like, ah, I have become an ashramai, I have free. That's not it. <laughs> but I have to give myself and that all this mastery is part of the process of giving. I can't say I have given myself to the divine, but I keep indulging in all kinds of thoughts. Giving means, now these thoughts are no more mine. The divine is the inhabitant here. So I must have thoughts. You see, this is what it means. No, If I say this house is yours, so should I continue to paint and do everything according to my choice or according to your choice? <laughs> One or two days, you will say, Ki, okay, Alokji, you have After that, you say, Alokji, have you really given to me? Are you sure? You are doing everything your own way, but it's my house. At least have this much courtesy to let it be my way. I know better than you. If you trust, then only it may. So giving is not... See, self-giving is a whole yoga. And the shortest possible yoga. Only in self-giving you do it through the act of bhakti. So if it comes naturally, one is blessed. Because you love him. So love with love comes self-giving. So (laughs) giving oneself. So if you look at it, that that bhakti is awakened. A sacred yearning lingered in its trace, the worship of a presence and a power, too perfect to be held by death-bound hearts, the prescience of a marvelous birth to come. But also, one more thing happens when the divine comes and withdraws. <coughs> it's a promise. Prescience, foreknowledge. One day this is going to be. Because why? Again, logical. Because in matter, he revealed a possibility. If I could do it, you too could do it. (coughs) So, in matter, this new possibility has awakened. So, all that the Divine Mother and Shurabindo experienced and revealed and lived in their life, let's put it like that. The way they lived, one day we will become capable of living that. But we have to yearn and seek and aspire for it. But it's a promise, so prescience. So two things happen. One is there is a aspiration and second there is a promise. These two things he leaves and withdraws into the background. I mean withdraws doesn't mean that he doesn't act anymore but... <clears throat> only a little the God light can stay. See, all the questions that one can have with regard to Madhra Shirobindra, everything is answered here. The mystery of avatar, why the avatar comes, why he withdraws, what is his work to transform matter in his own life, he reveals to us what can be done. To the extent it can be done in the avatar's life, it is bound to be, it, it's possi- going to be possible in the future for human life. See, when Rama withdrew, 
all monkeys didn't become illumined sattvic human beings but after some 10000 years at least some monkeys have begun to think a little more sattvic way this what we call we don't use the word sattvic we use the word cultured and nobility we say that no so when sri krishna withdrew so not everybody suddenly rose to higher planes of consciousness but subsequently you see that people rising to higher planes people having that bhakti all this happens subsequently the same thing will happen here uh, through a process of time during his lifetime very few people recognized him but after shri shri krishna's physical withdrawal you see the streams of bhakti that rushed upon earth spiritual beauty illumining human sight lines with its passion and mystery matters mask and squanders eternity on a beat of time it's one little moment one beat of time but that beat is special so you see this special moment that's why again the centenary of mothers coming that moment as if the doors of eternity opened and it rushed upon earth so that's why when people worry about india's future i say <laughs> regardless of anything and everything the fact that the divine mother chose india as her abode is a sign that the divine shakti has come here and uh, is one of the ways of answering people ask ki why mother was not born in india first of all divine should have at least this much freedom to <laughs> Where he will be born? <laughs> If not born in India, not divine. Very strange. <laughs> This is racism. <laughs> But apart from that, if you really see during that time, France was the cultural hub. Even today, yes. Name one country other than India which can hold the flame. and carry this world forward it is france france is forgotten and the second thing is and the second is russians with their innate mystic sense otherwise see all all the other countries it's a uh, lot of material development is there but without that flame even japan mother said everything is there so much aesthetic beauty but spiritual consciousness is missing so apart from these two countries where do you see i mean other than india apart from these two countries where else do you see a possibility but france specifically because it has again a past of one kind so that's why but another very simple answer is are isn't it much better that she chose <laughs> chose there are many indians who say why are we born in india unfortunately you know dirty road this that they are all standing in big queues for h1b visas but here is someone who chooses it's a much greater power the divine mother chooses to come to india and when she comes in 1920 she never looks back even 1914 she had to go away because of certain material reasons she didn't want to go away so this is the reason as when a soul draws near the sill of birth 
adjoining mortal time to timelessness is park of deity lost in matter script its luster vanishes in the inconscient planes that transitory glow of magic fire so now dissolved in bright accustomed air see the image is running parallel so he is also revealing a truth that you know there is a moment when the soul is about to plunge it knows who it is and what it is going for it's standing on the border then it takes the plunge slips bungee jumping original bungee jumping and then it plunges into this inconscient body forgets it's stunned by the fall even a great being forgets it takes time to recover you see what happened in the life of swami vivekananda so when he is coming asking questions to uh, shri ramakrishna paramahansa what does he tell him he says are you don't know yourself are narendra come come you don't know yourself and once he describes that vision that it was swami vivekananda who called <laughs> shri ramakrishna down <laughs> yes Uh, so uh, or rather it's this way i'll tell you the exact story so swami vivekananda is angiras rishi and there is a child this childish ramakrishna he is pulling him imagine child pulling at the beard and he is meditating on the high planes come down come down come down then he says okay i'll come so shri uh, ramakrishna called him down and now he has forgotten and he has agreed to come <laughs> other way around ha huh? i said that but yeah shri ramakrishna called swami vivekananda but that's a big thing is he he is his shakti he is the child look yes yes the full story yes yes will you come down yeah so he comes down but look at the amazing part so vivekananda is completely forgotten he has to be told so why he has forgotten that also sri ramakrishna says he says everybody used to say ki this man is so he what what is special he he argues he debates okay he is super intellectual but he has his own defects he is angry so why are you saying so much about him praising he said no no i know see this is the inner vision of the yogi we go by outer things <coughs> and he says there is a reason why a certain amount of <coughs> veil has been put over him the day narendra knows who he is he will run away <laughs> he has come down but he will run away the day he discovers so <coughs> i have locked the doors of liberation given the key to the mother <coughs> give him when he has done his work open the door for him so imagine a being of that stature forgets and that's where when you know when he describes later with the mother's coming he says a spirit of its celestial source aware descended into earth imperfect mold and wept not <coughs> fallen to mortality but looked on all with large and tranquil eyes 
that the divine mother is coming but ordinarily when the soul takes a plunge it loses itself in the darkness <coughs> so too the light comes early morning hope joy let's go for a morning walk yoga all this everybody is you know after some time light is in the background and all the other things are in the forefront so it dissolves it fa- it diffuses people become so accustomed you see when people come first time to the ashram and they go to the samadhi and the feeling they have and they want to come again but when they start staying here after some time not all few can sustain that inner fire but after some time one is so accustomed to this so you know you are walking inside the ashram and you are remembering all your things and you know, okay <laughs> to come out <laughs> make a call because it's so readily available so it tends to fade it's a diffusion of the light into everything around and it is necessary to ultimately awaken everything but <clears throat> here is describing that whole thing the message ceased and waned the messenger the single call the uncompanioned power drew back into some far off secret world that goddess usha you see early morning brings hope joy some some kind something happens but after some time we get back into our routine mechanical life <laughs> so he is describing that whole state <clears throat> the the hue and marvel of the supernal beam she looked no more on our mortality the excess of beauty natural to god kind could not <coughs> could not uphold its claim on time born eyes too mystic real for space tenancy her body of glory was expunged from heaven the rarity and wonder lived no more so she has assumed now this thick material cloak so it's no more that wonder when you know dawn breaks out she has come down taken this earthly cloak and therefore that intensity that power because otherwise it cannot hold it there was the common light of earthly day and what that common light he will describe enfranchised from the respite of fatigue now it is what human beings do enfranchised from the respite of fatigue once more the humor of the speed of life pursued the cycles of her blinded quest so we all suddenly humor of the speed of life this happened that happened let's open the laptop whatsapp everything you know now this is started we hardly enjoy that moment so uh, no more time to reflect and see and same thing happens that once more after the divine contact see supramental has diffused into the whole earth it is necessary but at the same time what has happened that intensity some people want to uh, oh during those days the ashram life was so intense yes of course and it's won't be like that it is bound to change because it has become more diffuse mother answers this question beautifully when someone said the general consciousness of the ashram has come down 
She said, no, the general consciousness has come up. But individually, earlier everybody was individual. So there was a great intensity. Now because the light has spread out. So if you see general, general that time was all remaining cut off. People were not even aware that there is something like this happening. Quietly in a small town of Pondicherry, there were just hardly 150 disciples. But now because the light is spread out and the movement is increasing, now general consciousness is uplifted. But it is lower than the in individuals. Yeah, that's how it is. So all sprang to the rumor and the speed of life. All sprang to their unwearying daily acts. So this is how our life becomes after a while. God's touch comes and then we, it's very good. We take it for granted. Subsequent, that's why they were so careful not to form another religion. What happens with religion? After some time, it's Sunday church. Yeah, Paach Sameki Nabaz. Yeah, Sandhya Vandan. This is how it becomes. You have done that. Then you have to do nothing. Huh? You, you Rest is, you continue with your life just as it is. But I have paid my due to God. Now he has to look after my family, children. Every prayer he must answer immediately. This is how we treat. So all sprang to their unwearying daily acts. <clears throat> the thousand peoples of the soil and tree... <laughs> How he brings all this together. Peoples <laughs> of the soil and tree obeyed the unforeseeing instant's urge. So people prefer to live in that ignorance. So the, you know, the light which can make us grow in intuition. But unforeseeing instant urge. Let's do this. So they are pushed in that direction. Not knowing that what seemed like a paradise was actually a road to hell. Unforcing instance urge, obeyed. And <laughs> this, is, this is these three lines I love, the humor in it, subtle humor. And leader here with his uncertain mind. He's a leader. Imagine a leader who doesn't know his mind. Will we ever follow such a leader? Our mind is really such a leader. Pulls us in contrary direction. So, But human beings follow this leader. That's why in the Vedas, the leader, the priest, is not this, but here, Agnir Hotaram. This should be the priest. This should be the leader, the psychic, the leader of the march. But most of the time, we prefer the mind and doubt the soul. <laughs> so, see, there is a subtle humor, there is reality, there is physical image, all these together. You know, when daybreak, then man <coughs> gets up and leader here with his uncertain mind, alone, <coughs> alone who stares at the future's covered face, man lifted up the burden of his fate. You know, man thinks he's what a leader he is. But what does he have to lead him? Uncertain mind. Man, alone who stares at the future's covered face. 
but he is carrying a big burden over him. Animals don't have to worry about future. Nothing. Bank balance, dress, nothing. But man has been given to keep staring at the face of the future, but he doesn't know what it is. Look at the image. Future is coming. Oh, there is the future. What is it? He has to keep guessing, trying. But he doesn't know actually what, what that future is like. Alone who stares at the future's covered face, man lifted up the burden of his fate. So I think this is where we can stop for today. And uh, if there are any questions, very interestingly, some aspects of Sri Krishna came. And maybe like that, everything will come that we have to cover. If there are some quick questions or any observations. Hmm. Last two lines, no? So, after the light, now first let's see the transition. So, transition is that from darkness there is light. So, <laughs> why has the light come? Light has come to awaken us. It's to bring the glory, the power, the wonder, the beauty, the bliss from afar. And who has come? The Divine Mother herself. Light, the Shakti, that power has come to lift this soil into miracles, shapes. So it wakes up, but it doesn't last for long. That whole movement starts from the next page, the previous page. It doesn't last for long because human consciousness <laughs> is not ready to hold it. So it withdraws, it diffuses. But even this withdrawal and diffusion is to <laughs> prepare us. It does something. It, what it does is awakens in us bhakti, a longing that must be there. And then he goes on and concludes this movement of diffusion that well, it came to, you know, like imagine every day if we live that I have one more day to come closer to the divine. That is Sri Ramakrishna. And if we lift up, I have one more day, maybe today I can make my boss happy. This is ordinary humanity. See, this is the difference. Everybody is given the same chance. But the difference is that man prefers the, next passage also he will explain, the beauty of the lure of the apparent ways. That what can instantly gratify me. The obeying the unforcing instant arts. See what used to happen in Indian homes. People would get up in the early morning and do their nitya karma, then puja part. That would be over by the time it is 4.30, 5-ish. Then, uske baad kya surota thought, aaj sabji kya banegi, aaj khana kya banega, you know. You could stay in that consciousness, but human beings cannot sustain that. So, it goes into, again, you lose that, that, uh, Possibility which came, each day brings the, uh, of a new progress. Mother has said, each dawn brings the possibility of a new progress. But imagine if every day we say, today I am going to conquer my anger. It could be one thing. Today I will make sure that I don't say a word which is <coughs> not needed. Today I will practice half an hour of silence. Today I am going to make sure that I don't, I 
reflect before speaking. Today I will sit down for 10 minutes, whether I am able to meditate or not, but I will sit and quietly remember. So many things, dawn is bringing, what? The possibility of progress. But after that initial morning, nice cup of coffee and yoga, whatever that yoga means, what is the next step? That same old life. So that's what he's saying, that the light came, it diffused, it's now everywhere. But <laughs> what happens with man? He wakes up, he obeys the unforeseen instant's urge. Yet, there is something. He is compelled to look toward the future, which he does not know. And there is a reason why it is veiled from him. You know, what is the reason? It is very interesting. Actually, we judge future by the events. But future is not events. Events and circumstances are passage on the way. The goal, the road thou choosest are thy fate. So, supposing you wake up and future, ah man, you will be superman. That's how all of us, that's our destiny, whether we like it or not. <laughs> of course, we would like it. But <coughs> if it is suddenly revealed to us, what we will do? Oh, wow, I am a superman. Now I will do miracles. My opponent, I am going to make sure that he, he doesn't succeed. Because our consciousness is the same way. So we will meet events, circumstances will keep pushing us, challenging us <coughs> towards the future which will remain uncovered. Which will remain covered. We will think that we know, we plan. <coughs> See, we plan the future for our children, isn't it? Most uh, parents believe in planning future for their child. So sometimes I ask, ask them, tell me, you must have also planned your, your future. Yes, did it go exactly as you had planned? No life follows that. And yet we think rationally we are going to plan. There are so many unexpected things which keep happening. And these ex unexpected things, these so-called accidents in time are ways through which the divine is drawing us near to him. So there is always in future the unexpectedness. Like you see, we planned that we'll have these timings, nice timetable. I also said, let's know the timing. This is convenient. That is convenient. We made a nice timing. But divine plan was something even more marvelous. It says, okay, don't worry. I am going to bring you to the Ashram nursing home. <laughs> and then you will have nice time. Morning, afternoon. Nobody will disturb. No running up and down. For me, it was comfortable. For all of you, I know it's a little difficult. Uh, nice walk. Uh, but see, look at it. Now, if supposing we knew earlier that uh, you know, you are going to have dengue. So, in all likelihood, <laughs> would have said, Alukji, let's then change, you know, before starting the journey. Let's do it some other time. Is th That's how the logical mind thinks. Huh? Why go that way? You are going to have dengue. <laughs> dengue with typhus. 
and high diabetes all these together so you are going to have all these things so you better you know i think it will be better for you you read but divine doesn't have all these considerations he gave me also such he is giving such beautiful experiences lovely <laughs> this thing and uh, such lovely atmosphere such uh, lovely class so divine plan doesn't work according to us he loves to draw us close to him in every which way at least i love to discover him in countless ways if you discover him sometimes sickness should not be on earth but sometimes you discover him while passing through a dangerous pass that also happens no imagine you are going through a uh, navigating through a dangerous gorge and uh, you you think you are slipping slipping suddenly divine hand holds you look at the joy you will say ah so beautiful but sometimes you are walking on a nice little field and divine comes and says hi hello how are you i am god oh great meeting you sir <laughs> probably we may not value so much but still you know there is one kind of joy there is a great joy in meeting him like that and there is another joy when you meet him on the battlefield like for arjuna so divine we, we should understand this play is a play and this is a joy in it we should be become too serious that is our problem so we are all the time you know on tenter hook serious about everything uh, this will happen that will happen so what i am saying the other day when people came they are so serious and gloomy because they came to know i have high fever i said it's okay means <laughs> i am not serious <laughs> why are you serious but that's how life is so let's listen to the call of the divine mother the message of the light and that's why we have to lift the burden of our faith because we are mind centered mind cannot know it cannot really tell us the next step in front so we lift the burden of faith but man is not meant to be like this forever he should walk a master of faith but master of faith only when he becomes aware of the soul within and intuition above because that will only happen when you do that you will master the forces when you master the forces of life you are a master of faith that's as simple as that we can't remain a slave of all the forces that constitute destiny and yet say that you know things should happen the way i want it won't master the forces then destiny not only obeys you you create destiny that's why people often say that the you know half reading mother has written uh, somewhere that you know the soul chooses so people immediately oh the soul chose this soul chose this mother has also clarified at one place this applies when the soul has developed to a point it's not that when one is just little spark it is choosing it goes through many experiences to make it grow then comes a time till 18 years or whatever 10 years nowadays probably 2 years no choice <laughs> after that slowly choice then when you learn with error so this is how we have to grow into that greater consciousness that's what the light comes to remind us that there is a greater glory than this earth and i am just giving you this first touch are you ready so those who say who are ready are the first lot the others are not discarded but they are all the subsequent lots <laughs> okay so thank you na
नहीं नहीं इट्स स्टिल गोइंग ऑन आई विल टेल यू या या इट इज इंटरेस्टिंग दैट वॉट अबाउट द राइजिंग अर्ली एट डॉन दैट इज एन इमेज ऑफकोर्स बट एट द सेम टाइम देर इज सम मीनिंग बिकॉज नेचर हेज क्रिएटेड ए रिदम ऑफ डे एंड नाइट सो फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल वी हैव टू गो बैक एंड अंडरस्टैंड हाउ दीज रिदम्स आर क्रिएटेड दीज रिदम्स वे क्रिएटेड मैन वॉज इन सिंक विद नेचर एंड इट्स प्रोसेसिस there was no artificial light you had to sleep by 9 o'clock latest i mean i remember my what will you do with that lantern work like that no tv nothing so why i'm saying is that it's not youth to be blamed it's how rhythms change and their deeper purpose so the rhythms of nature were created simply because of the ways of things so you know people once they put off the uh, aag chule ka aag तो मतलब इट वॉज की लाइक लाइक नाउ यू नो नथिंग मोर कैन बी डन दैट वॉज दैट टाइम एंड देन बिकॉज यू स्लीप अर्ली एंड यू हैव टू यूज मैक्सिमम द अवेलेबल डे लाइट सो यू वेक अप अर्ली सो दैट्स हाउ दैट साइकिल वॉज रनिंग नथिंग सेक्रो सैंक्ट एंड इट सिंक्ड वेल विद योर इनर प्रोसेस एट ए सर्टन पॉइंट ऑफ टाइम एंड पीपल यूज इट वेरी वंडरफुली अर्ली मॉर्निंग ब्रह्म मुहूर्त एंड द लेट इवनिंग now the whole thing has gone out of sync part of the confusion that happened toward the end of kali one of them is that all the fixed patterns of nature including your sleep and waking cycle disrupted you we may blame technology we can blame this that yeah light is available computer is there distractions are there but ultimately we have to see the wisdom which is working ha so we'll come to that so wisdom what the wisdom is doing it is a divine who is destroying the past if you look at it you know like shurbind says there was a truth in the chaturvarnya shri krishna says i am the one who has brought it out but now it has gone why it has gone because the new being who will come will embody all the four types so same way for a moment there will be disruption of all the sleep waking pattern physically sacred and uh, profane you know all these things will go away then what will come now symbolically you see symbolically now children are forgetting which is day and which is night okay so symbolically it is like day and night are merging into each other there is also happening so ultimately man must reach a stage when he stops playing as this is night and this is day it should be yes it should be day and day so human consciousness even the body is being prepared like that if a new body has to come its ways has to be very different we can't even imagine will the superman sleep he will not sleep shubhendu's own life shubhendu hardly slept okay the mother 2 hours a day so i my own reading is that lot of insomnia i know people even in ashram context 
to have what they think is sleep problem. But yeah, they are not able to sleep. They're, exactly, they are not dysfunctional. And I know people who for days, for weeks, every month, 15 days, no sleep. But they are functional. They are doing everything normal. No diseases. They are going to their work and they are going to... So, but because habit, I must sleep. I am not sleeping. Now this is, the old pattern is broken. And a new rhythm is coming up. Most children nowadays, many children, I won't say most, not only the cycle is disrupted, if you very closely monitor their sleeping hours, it is not only because, yeah, it, if you look at it, not only erotic, it is actually compressed. Ha, power nap. Yeah, exactly. What did mother say? She said this. You should be able to rejuvenate. Now, nature is compelling them. See, we, we are reading and we, we have to do consciously yoga. How nature will do? It's pushing humanity. Now, you are fatigued, fatigued, fatigued. At the same time, you have to rejuvenate. Nobody has taught you that in three minutes you can rejuvenate. You learn by sheer necessity that I have to find a way called power nap. Exactly. Yeah. So this is, this is, and this is, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. Iptidai ishk. to abhi, hundred years may you see what will happen. Probably sleep may vanish. Right now it is needed. Then this idea of getting up early morning or at 11 o'clock will go away. So nature is now creating a new type. So old is gone. So naturally there will be disruption, dysfunctional. Maybe some people will fall ill. This part of the process. Nature doesn't work through individual. It works through large unit. So one has to see the wisdom operating in every, everything. <laughs> it's very, very true. Multitasking is going to be the future of humanity. So even things like WhatsApp, this, that people get very scared. They have a heart. The one who is looking after is wiser than us. <laughs> Everything will be used. That's what mother says. Everything that will happen will be used for the new creation. Everything. Yes, so all this will happen. But in the process, new processes will develop. See, the body will learn to draw energy in ways which we cannot imagine. Now, naturally, in, there will be a period of confusion where the old is still sticking on. For example, we play. We play to develop. Right? The body strength, endurance, stamina. And it's necessary to have the body as a base. Now, there will be still after some time you know, if game is necessary or play for this human body, it is still necessary. Human beings will be put back on that, but in a different way. What is that different way? A more conscious mode. See, 
I played, uh, I used to love playing actually. But I am, I feel that, you know, I wish I was told what is the purpose of playing. So I used to play because I used to enjoy. Now imagine if I was conscious that it is good for my fitness, for health. I would not have. So you see, simultaneously today, because of the, ah, because of the pressure of the medical, uh, you know, illness and all, people are also discovering. You see, initially when a new attraction comes, like, as you said, Netflix and all, it won't hold the human consciousness for long. No, it's not, not possible because human soul is much greater than all this. The vital it will hold. <laughs> Yeah, ex- yeah. Today it is something else. So then, what will happen? That you know, absolutely, it has. It is also saving people from such disgraceful things. The people used to go to temple and only talk about vahu ki burai and all. I mean, I tell you, it's so horrible. Spend their time in all kinds of nonsense in the name of uh, free time. Now, no free time. <laughs> Nature took away the free time. At least you watch a Netflix movie, learn more about the world, okay, rather than relatives coming and gossiping. Gossiping was much worse or it's very difficult to say Netflix is better at gossiping, I believe. <laughs> that, was, that was television, isn't it? Yeah, so, but at least people are now engaging with something else. Otherwise, they were using their own consciousness for things that would debase. This And all these are phases, not that people will remain forever addicted. If you see the history, how every new thing came after some time, people got used to it. So the vital in man will not be satisfied, yes. And the other part in man. So vital will not be satisfied and the soul in man will make sure that it pierces the barrier. So we don't worry. And about physical education, people are being pushed, but more consciously. So people are becoming health and fitness freaks because uh, they discover that, you know, I, ca- I cannot afford to uh, yeah, lead life like this. So, But they are doing it now more consciously. That is the difference. By choice. And aware, aware that what is the significance of this exercise, this asana. So we are entering a more conscious phase. <clears throat> Accelerated mental, yeah. Also, there is an accelerated mental evolution. Many things simultaneously. Because mind has to develop through many layers before it can reach there. So, it is all disorienting. Some are at one stage, some another, some... And through all this, the churning, the rapid evolution, hyper-evolution of the mind. Now, what will happen through this hyper-evolution? Mother has summarized in a very interesting way. This is all this hyperactivity and hypertension of the mind. So it will lead to what? It will lead one day to an explosion. Explosion. And then what will happen? Suddenly you will have only one choice either to awaken to the higher spiritual consciousness or sink. Now what will happen? Humanity is a bursting point. So some have burst through already. See, like this thought is coming up. Some people have begun to question, what are we doing? Man should change himself. Why? Because now within 50 years, people have been shown as if on a fast forward movie, look, this is the direction it will take you. 
So now because they are forcing it, now people are saying, no, I think it's time to change. How to change ourselves? I think a famous economist spoke about it. And the UNO, that youth hunt, he spoke about it. If we must change, I think it's time that we find ways to change ourselves. So everything will help in ways beyond our comprehension. Everything will be used. But yes, there will be a period of confusion. Many things will happen which we may find very unpleasant or we may find pleasant. Many things, uh, they may be wipe, wipe out generations. Because the evolutionary power is so strong. Like wipe out species between man and the ape. Nine subspecies came and were wiped out. So they will be like that. In one phase, excessive development of the mind. In another phase, another dimension. AI and all that. And wiped out. Not whole of humanity, but generations. They come again. And finally, there will be a leap. That is how all evolution has been. Mother has said there will be number of intermediate species which will come and go away. So nature will use everything. Imagine the first humanoid. They are not called human beings. Humanoids. Very much like apes. But worse because the mind has started. <laughs> so this is how it is. Everything is. One thing Shurabindo reminds in the synthesis of yoga. Uh, there are two conditions he gives repeatedly in the practice of yoga. One is he says faith and second is equanimity. But when he speaks of faith, he uses a word called Kalyan Shraddha. <clears throat> Under all circumstances of life, whatever the appearance, we must have the faith that it is for the good. But this good stretches over a long period of time. In his own life, Shubhindu has shown this in his own yoga. He says that I know God will provide, but he has developed the bad habit of providing in the last moment. <laughs> Shurbindo, he writes in one of the letters, because his situation was such. Money. So money will come, last minute it used to come. So they have had the afternoon lunch, he and the group of five, six boys. They don't know what is going to come for the dinner. Suddenly it will come, unexpectedly, somewhere, or something will come to sustain them for a week. Now it's going to end up tomorrow or two days and again something will come. So he says, I know God will provide, but he has contracted the bad habit of providing at the last moment. <laughs> so, you know, how... Uh, but that is Kalyan Shraddha. Kalyan Shraddha. I mean, he is not saying, oh God, you are so... Uh, why have you made me suffer? That's why he says, Kalyan is a word untranslatable. Like many Sanskrit words you can't translate into English. Even, even in, uh, in synthesis of yoga, he does not uh, translate it. He uses the word Kalyan Shraddha. Then he defines it. You can't translate it. But the definition is, Kalyan is the supreme good. Whatever happens, yeah, ultimately, it will be the supreme good. 
it doesn't matter we may we see short period of time apparent good apparent bad and that too with the mind so kalyan shraddha so everything that is yeah will lead us towards that and this should be the faith of a sadhak all the time all the time regardless of every kind of experiences okay thank you